But uh, I just got to say this, isn't Jackie just coming on? She's just doing incredible. She really is. She's just doing great. Uh, that was beautiful. All right, we're looking at John chapter 9, uh, verse 35. Of course, uh, Brother Hopper just read through it, so we're not going to go back through that. It's kind of a familiar story, but we want to uh, just kind of jump in. Jesus had healed a blind man, and now the Jews questioned this blind man, and in anger and frustration had kicked him out of the, out of the temple and, and because they... Uh, uh, you know, he didn't answer their questions right, and they, he didn't respond to them the way that he wanted to be, they wanted him to be responded to. And so Jesus finds this blind man, and this is so wonderful, you know. Uh, whenever we go through tough times, do you, do you understand something? Jesus is on his way after you. I mean, he's not going to leave you alone. My goodness, what are you doing back here? <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's fantastic. That is great. Well, I hope this is a blessing after having to go see the in-laws. And so, uh, amen. <laughs> so, that's great. But uh, Jesus finds this blind man. And, you know, again, it's so wonderful that, that Jesus, when, when you're going through a tough time, you take a stand for the Lord, you're not out there alone. You may feel like you're alone, but he's always there. And he's He's going he's gonna to come after you. He's going to come find you. He's, he's looking for you. And, and the truth is, he really already knows where you are. It's just a matter of time for he really just comes up and just lets you know that he's there. But he'll, his, he'll put his hand on you of comfort and, and let you know that. But now our Savior will deal with the eternal in this man's life. You see, Jesus had come to him about the physical. He'd come to him about the physical, and he healed him. And, uh, and so that was a wonderful thing, but, but that was just preparatory. That was trying to get him, and, and kind of goes with our um, message this morning. You know, sometimes God, uh, when we're just getting started out or maybe not even saved yet, you know, there's a lot of, you know, the goodness of God leadeth us to repentance. And, and he does a lot of incredibly good things for us and to us. Now, sometimes, like I was saying this morning, sometimes we get all caught up in the good things and we don't have our eyes on Him and we have our eyes on the good things. And then when the good things start to fade away, it's like um, uh, Michelle and, and, uh, and Arthur, poor things. Uh, they, they, they got in here, they got, uh, got saved and they got to come into church and, and they were just as faithful as they could be. And I warned them uh, just like I have others, you know, I warned them, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get hit. I mean, the devil don't want you in church and he's going to come after you. And, uh, and, and every, I just called, called them this afternoon cause they weren't here this morning, here Wednesday night. And they weren't here this morning. And I said, okay, talk to me. And she said, well, hooker, we got up this morning, dressed for church, came out the door in the tires flat and we don't have a spare. And uh, she said, so we spent, we went back in, changed on it. She said, went back in, changed their clothes, hung them all back up. And, my, and Arthur's been working, trying to go to get a, you know, uh, to a junkyard and get a tire and all these kind of things. I mean, they're going through a rough spell. And the devil's trying to discourage them right now. You know, but, but, uh, but the fact is, is, is that God... Jesus comes to this man, and he's been through a lot now. I mean, he's been healed, and, and now something's taking place spiritually in his life. He's starting, the Holy Spirit's starting to work on him. You know, things are happening now. And here comes the negative from the attack, and here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus, and Jesus comes to him, 
And our Savior will deal with the eternal in this man's life now. Now he's saying, do you believe? He asked the former blind man, dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answers, who is he, Lord? And Jesus says, thou hast seen him, and it is he that talketh uh, with thee. Uh, remember, this is the one who was blind from birth, and Jesus said, thou hast seen him. And you know, he's just reminding them, you know, when you finally could see, who were you looking at? Who'd you see when you finally could see? You know who he saw? Jesus. And he's, he's reminding him, he said, he's the one you saw. You know, when you got healed, remember, I was the first face that you saw. And he said, now, not only that, I'm the one talking to you right now. And so what he's really saying is, is he's the one who made him whole. He gave him sight. Whose face did you see the moment your eyes were open? It was the very one who talks with you right now. This man did all any man has to do to be saved. He says, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Now, you say, all you got to do is believe. And, of course, you've heard, you know, so many times, you know, the devils believe and tremble. But that's not what it says. He says he believed and worshiped him. And, you know, belief is essential, but also he received the Christ that he believed in. That's the whole difference. I think when it says he worshiped him, he's saying, okay, he believed and he received. And he understood who he was and he trusted in who he was. Then the Lord makes a classic statement and he did it so that the Pharisees would hear it. He says, verse 39, and Jesus said, for judgment I am come into this world that they which see not might see and they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, are we blind also? Now, just let me tell you something. If you really go ask Jesus what condition your life is in, he'll tell you. Okay, I mean, if you'll, if you'll tonight, if you'll go in prayer, if you'll come to this altar tonight and say, Lord, really reveal to me what, what condition am I really in? Is there something that I'm blind about in my life? You know what? The Lord will tell you. He'll, he'll tell you what it is. And, and, uh, and so Jesus said unto them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remaineth. Clearly, the Lord is telling them that those who think they are good enough in their own righteousness will first have to come to the realization that they're lost in their sins before they'll ever be able to spiritually see. And that's uh, so many that we have to do. Again, I was witnessing yesterday, and, and the man uh, looked at me, and he, he said, I believe I'll go to heaven. Why? Because I'm good. And, you know, you know, so many of you know this, especially in this area, you've got to get them lost before you can get them saved. Because the, the fact is, you've got to understand that you don't get to heaven through your righteousness. You know, that's, that's you're saying, well, I, I see, I'm not blind. No, no, you are blind. And until you understand you're blind and you're hopeless, you, you're not going to see. And so that's what he's saying. If you understand that you have no hope in yourself and your trust is in Christ, your sin is taken away and this will bring spiritual sight. Now, I'm going to continue this, but let's have a word of prayer. Father, I pray that you bless. Holy Spirit of God, please guide my mind, my thoughts. Dear God, I need you. I need you tonight as I need you every other moment. Lord, you bless uh, this morning again. And, and dear God, I pray tonight that your spirit would fall and, and I'd be yielded to you. And Lord, if, if I'm not yielded to you, if I'm not filled in your presence, with your presence, Lord, uh, there, there'll be no good thing that'll happen tonight. Dear God, I pray that you please guide me, direct me, help me to say only what needs to be said. Please, Lord, I ask you, Spirit of God, I yield myself to thee. In Jesus' name, amen. Notice, though, that as many today did not receive it, 
they hang on to their goodness. It's the same back then as it is today. Nothing's really changed. Uh, many today don't receive it. They hang on to their goodness, their righteousness, their church, their traditions. They believe that they're having the, the, their best life now. And uh, it, you might recognize where that comes from. But Christ says, point blank, you say, you see, you have no need of a Savior. When you say, I I see, then you have no need of a Savior. Uh, Therefore, your sin remains. If your sin remains, you better have your best life now because the next life's not going to be a good one. And that's that's what, you know, as soon as I saw the title of that book, have your best life now, I said, oh, that scares me to death because (laughs) this life right here, it better not be my best life. My eternal life with Christ is my best life. Amen? Now, some, I'm just be honest with you, this is their best life. Now, this all leads the Lord to an illustration. In simplicity, we see that that Jesus is the door. Amen? Scripture tells us that the door. And His salvation is a gift to us through grace, through faith. Those that attempt to enter through any other way, through works, through the church, through baptism, through goodness, or as in today's movement, and that's part of what we're going to deal with tonight, which was the very same that Jesus spoke about, and what that is is a false salvation claimed by those who have never accepted that they are blind. Now, today's movement in in the church, and and this is Sunday night, so y'all deal with it, okay, folks, but today's movement in the church is so much of this philosophy that you come in and God's okay. Yes, you come to Christ as you are, but wait a minute, when he saves you, you're not supposed to just say, uh, okay, you better take me with no change. Now, forgive me, I'm not saying that you got to change to be saved. I'm saying that you got to recognize that you're wrong and he's right. That there's something inside of you that you need to be saved from. And when they come in and they're telling them that there is, you know, God's okay with everything and everything is acceptable and everything that you do is is approved by God, God loves you. Now watch this, God loves you no matter what, but he doesn't accept everything that you do. Everything's not okay. And until we recognize that it's not okay, we can't get saved. If you really think that everything about your life is okay, then we got a problem. Because for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if you came to Christ and you came saying, oh, I want, to, I want the gift of God, which is eternal life. I want to trust Jesus as my Savior. But you don't know that you are a sinner and sinners have to pay an eternal penalty. If you don't understand that, if you don't understand that your sin is going to, I tell them all the time, I told them yesterday, several people yesterday, uh, it says the wages of sin is death. But watch this, all have sinned, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And, and I tell them, everywhere I go, I'll point to the rooftop, I'll point to some tree, I'll point something, I'll say, look, if heaven was right there and I, and I had to get to it, I could jump as hard as I want to, I could be as good as I want, I could work out every day, and I'm still not going to reach it. And that's the whole issue. Until we come to the point to realize we're not going to get there in our goodness, that's why we need to be saved. That's why Jesus came to die. That's why he came to pay the penalty. You say, why are you doing this? But, okay, I know a lot of you, old hat, and this is old to you, and this is, but it's good for you to hear it again. 
But there's a world out there right now, a Christian world, that's pushing a lot of this that, that God's okay with everything. Well, that means that you're not blind. And this is what he's talking about. He said, well, if you're not blind, you're still in your sin. Now, got to take a breath here, folks. I get intense every once in a while. I got my amen corner back here, so I got to go now. All right. The church today refuses sin, refuses to recognize sin, refuses to accept that they are sinners, or maybe even more prominent, listen to this, the most prominent thing is that they believe God does not see them as sinners or hold them accountable for their sin. And the church is actually leading up many, many of this generation to hell. It's a false profession. These people, God says, have never come through the door. They attempt and teach others to attempt to climb the wall. That wall has on the side of it is righteousness and goodness. And they try to climb that wall. In other words, they reject God's way and are determined to make their own way. Here's where the confusion often often enters. This is not just the individual who rejects the truth and in their pride are determined to make their own way. But here's the crucial thing I believe about this lesson that I think sometimes we overlook. I believe that, that Jesus is even more specifically right now talking about leaders. You see, this whole thing started talking to the pharisaical leadership. And he's talking to leaders and pastors and authors and preachers. You see, Jesus is the door. Chapter 10, verse 7 makes that clear. Those who are in Christ are are referred to throughout the Scripture as the sheep. uh, There are those who come to the sheep to steal them away from their trust and belief in Christ. There are those out there that that say there's one way to heaven, that's through Jesus Christ and Him alone, and we've got to know that we're sinners and there's a payment for our sin. And if we died right now, we would not go to heaven, we'd go to hell unless unless Jesus pays for our sin for us. And so there's those that do that. But then there's those that don't go through that. It's kind of like, we we dealt with this for years and years, you know, the the rock concert Christianity thing. You go to it and and you have this big concert. And they'll say, but but man, so many people are getting saved. Really? And and I'm not saying that some people didn't didn't get saved because I don't know who the individuals are dealing with them. So I never say that nobody got saved, okay? Because there could be some individual. But, but for the most part, what you're saying is, however you came in is, is just fine. Here's all you want is you just want, here's what it is. We got it for you. Come to the altar, and you got a gift. And you can have the gift, but watch this. It is a free gift, but you don't get this gift until you really realize you need it. Anybody need a dollar? All the rest of you rich people. Uh, okay, if you know you need it, the rest of you are blind. You know you need it. And when you know you need it, now it's available. But until you really know you need it, 
And, 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 and talk about fire insurance, it's, just, it's really just coming saying, oh, I don't want to go to hell, so I, I'm going to go to heaven, uh, so I accept Christ as my Savior. Well, why? What did he do? Why did he die? Why do you need him? And if everything that you're doing in your life is just fine, then what did he do? All right. Am I confusing y'all tonight? I hope not. Now, there are those who come to the sheep to steal them away from the trust and belief in Christ. And God calls his leaders. Now, also, God calls his leadership often in the Scripture as he calls them shepherds. So I'm going to try, hopefully tie this all up. He that entereth the door, that's Jesus. Jesus already told us that he's the door. And, but we also know from Scripture that Jesus is a shepherd. But when it talks about Jesus in this passage, I want you to notice what it says about it. He says that he's the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. So all that's just a little bit of information we want to put out there. He's not just a shepherd, but he's the good shepherd. Now, our Lord, what he's doing, he's, he's going to give an illustration, and he's, he's, he's describing kind of a typical scene back at this time. Now, we wouldn't know it as much here today, but many of the Israelites were sheep herders. In any city or village, there would be a number of flocks of sheep. For convenience, they would be herded into a common sheepfold. A simple enclosure where the sheep would be contained while thieves and predators would be forbidden access. This would be one door in because that's the easiest way to protect them. There's one door in and one door out, of course. There would be this one door, one access through which the sheep would enter and exit. Through this same door, the various shepherds would enter to gather their flocks. Early in the morning, the shepherd arrives at the sheepfold and enters to lead his flock out to pasture. Then at the end of the day, he brings his sheep into the sheepfold for safekeeping through the night. Do you know how they, how they would get their flock? The sheep recognized the shepherd's voice. Perhaps this duty is shared among the shepherds on a rotating basis, but one person is assigned to, the, uh, to be the doorkeeper. And I think that's a, it's a special thing, and I can't prove this, but I believe that doorkeeper in this illustration she's talking about is the Holy Spirit of God. And so there's a doorkeeper, uh, that man that's going to work that door, he's going to make sure that the shepherd that comes is the right shepherd before he even gets in. So you know what? The shepherd has to enter the door. The shepherd has to come in that door. And listen, when you come in that door, that means you're coming in trusting Jesus Christ. You come in the door. And, and, and so he comes in, and, and the doorkeeper allows him in. The, and don't you love uh, things? Man, that's the first time it's ever happened to me. This just went, poof, it went away. And we got it back, but who knows where we were. All right, here we go back. Now, one person is assigned as a doorkeeper. Perhaps the duty is shared among the shepherds on a rotating basis. The doorkeeper stations himself in the doorway, keeping the sheep safely inside and any danger to the sheep outside. In the morning, each shepherd reports to the doorkeeper who recognizes him. Amen. And don't we hope he (laughs) recognizes us if we're truly saved. He recognizes. Now, once inside the, the fold, each shepherd calls out his sheep and leads them outside the fold. Knowing the voice of their shepherd, the sheep of each flock go to to their own shepherd when called by name and then follow him outside the sheepfold only to be brought safely back to the fold the next evening. And now, 
It's amazing. This is what Jesus is describing in his story that he gives us. Salvation comes only by coming through the door. Amen? There's one way in. Only one way in. That, that means that, again, uh, some of our folks are really bending their sails and saying, you know, kind of wanting to get along with everybody and saying kind of everybody's worshiping the same God. It's amazing how even Baptists now are getting to that point saying, you know, kind of everybody worships the same God. Uh, no, everybody doesn't worship the same God. No, there's one door. There's, one, there's no other name under heaven whereby men may be saved other than the name of Jesus. John 10, 7 says, Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. No matter how high you climb or how hard you try, the only way in is the door. That's the only way in. Secondly, if you come through the door, you are one of his sheep. You should, and you should recognize his voice. You should hear his word, and it should be right and true to your soul. And you know what? That's one of the things that you ought to evaluate in yourself when you come. When you hear the word of God, do you really hear it? I got a message, and I've, I've preached it here before, and I'm sure you don't remember it, uh, but uh, uh, it's called hearing but not listening. Hearing but not listening. Anybody remember that one? Hearing but not listening. Two people do. Great. All right. I found that I can just preach the same message anytime I want to, even though I preached it before, because nobody remembers. But hearing but not listening. And if you've got children, you understand that concept. Right? You remember, you'll remember this. When I talked to my daughter Heather when she was a child, and we really, my wife one time, she, Heather still has to deal with this. My wife went to have her checked because she thought surely something was the matter with her kid. And so, uh, where'd you have her taken? I don't know. But, uh, uh, but, but we found out it was just sugar. And so, uh, but, but you know what? I would talk to Heather, and listen, I could be right in, you know, Watch this. Tell them to look you in the eye means nothing. You understand that? Because they can look you in the eye, but look back at theirs. It's glass. And I'd talk to Heather, and I would tell her, give her instructions, and the whole time I'm giving her instructions, if you look real close through those glass eyes, you could see the words traveling right on through. They went in this year, gone. Didn't even slow up. That's what happened. I always said, Heather never heard me speak. She heard, wah, 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 wah. That was it. That's Heather. And, and now, this, this is the whole thing. Are we, when we come to church, do we really hear the Word of God? I asked you a question this morning. If you were here this morning, why do you seek Him? I don't know about you, but when I, when I preach those things, it's not to you. I, I'm preaching those things because God's asked me that over and over again. Why do you seek him? That ought, that ought to just ring in your head over and over again. Why do you really seek him? You should hear his word, and it should be right and true to your soul. If you are his sheep, you will enjoy feeding in his pasture. Amen? Yeah, you'd enjoy coming to church. You'd enjoy getting into your, into your Bible. And, and young Christians, I just don't get anything out of the Bible. Uh, listen, you just, you just keep going to the right pasture, and pretty soon you'll, you'll learn to enjoy what's there. 
and it'll be good. And that's something that you should come to the point that you start to enjoy it. If you're a sheep, you'll enjoy feeding this pasture, and you shall go in and out and find pasture is what he says. There are those who will try to keep you from the door. There are those who will try to keep you uh, once you've entered the door from feeding in the pasture. There are those that will try to take you to their pasture. They're out there. They're on the radio. They're in the books. Uh, so many, I've watched so many, and watch this. If you've got a good mind, and nobody here is in trouble, but if you, you didn't get that, did you? But the little, the, you know, back in college there, when I, when, when I was working with college kids, the little intellectual mind, he was the one that struggled. Because they just, they read everything, and here's what they'll say. And, and we're getting way ahead of myself, but they'll say, you know, hey, you just got to eat the meat and spit out the bones. And I'll say, son, you don't have enough sense to know which one's the bones. And I said, so many of those bones, they get stuck in your throat. Now those, because they're out there, they're out there. Uh, when I was a young Christian, and I, and I feel we've had so many young Christians coming, and, and, uh, and, 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 and especially in our morning service, and I keep trying to, and I do Sunday night services in the morning because we got so many new ones coming, uh, but the fact is I try to get to them. Not only will hardships and not only will heartaches come, but there's always somebody trying to snake them in right now. Well, we go to Great Lakes Naval Base, and you would think there would be no way. It was thousands and thousands of boys up there when we were going after them, and we'd win one of them to Christ. And you'd think, how in the world could that cult find them next week on that base? But they'd find them. They would find them. And by the time I got back to them the very next week, I would have to sit them down for hours because they would be in total confusion. You say, why would that happen? Because the moment they get saved, there's something that came alive in them. There was some a desire in them. Their spiritual desire came alive. And guess what comes after them? They come after them. Those that want to climb up the wall come after them. And I beg you, folks, please, if, if you're reading something, if you're watching something, if you're listening to somebody and you have the slightest bit of question, can I beg you, I don't do this often, but would you please run it past me or some man of God or some, some uh, uh, mature Christian that you say, hey, what do you think about this? If I had not done that, I, I'm not sure I'd be standing here today, but as a police officer, uh, when I would uh, turn, barely in church, but I would turn on that radio at midnight just trying to listen to something in, in the radio, and I started listening to a fellow that, that I thought for several months, it was, you know, hey, it's Christian, it's a preacher, it's got to be good, right? And, and, and that guy started to mess with my head until I went to my preacher and said, what about this fellow? And he told me, he said, son, turn it off. The man is a heretic. Now, he didn't say that. He told me why and how. He gave me, and thank, thankfully he did. Now, I didn't really need it at that point. I just trust my preacher. If you tell me, okay. But, but he gave me the, the hows and whys behind it. And I'm not talking about it just somebody he didn't like. I'm talking about we were talking about true right now. Well, if you've ever heard of the Worldwide Church of God, uh, I mean, uh, uh, British Israelism and everything else, it was whacked out stuff. But I didn't know it. I was a young Christian. Be very careful. For the Scripture says there are many false teachers in this world. The shepherd, the pastor, has a flock of sheep, but the good shepherd knows all the sheep. 
And they know his voice, and he is willing to die for his sheep. The shepherd must come through the door, and the shepherd must know the good shepherd. The shepherds come in the name of the good shepherd. They come with his word, and the sheep recognize them, for they speak not their words, but the words of the good shepherd. Jesus Jesus Christ, is, of course, is the good shepherd. Now, the leaders here Jesus is addressing He's talking to the Pharisees, and they did not see sin or the need of a Savior. These leaders were attempting to climb into heaven. These leaders were attempting to lead others to climb into heaven. These leaders were leading others to reject Jesus Christ, the door, the only door, the good shepherd. These leaders are the strangers who attempt to get the sheep to follow them. God says, flee from them. That's what he said. He said, flee from them. For the life in Christ is more abundant life. The life of the stranger is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Not all voices are true voices. Again, this illustration all came about because the false teachers were trying to confuse the sheep of God. A great illustration of this is currently, and and I'm not much one to do this, but I just thought I'd throw this out. So much going on out out there about it. But uh, this latest uh, uh, Christian movie is called The Shack. Anybody heard of it? Anybody heard? Okay. There's a little bit of it. Uh, Please, I've read the description of it. I'm not watching it, not going to, but I've read the description of it. I've read the background of it. I've read the characters of it. I've read about it. Uh, They warned you, and all the description, uh, what what it warns you that, that we are in a Christian world where no one believes in taking a stand for anything. This is what I want to warn you. When, you. when you see these kinds of films like that, I, I'm just asking you, I'm just warning you not to watch it. And, and you say, why? You, you don't think I can, you know, think it's good? I, I, I'm just telling you, what it presents is what is being presented in so many churches, that there's a Christian world where no one believes in taking a stand for anything. There is no right and wrong. What we, what we have is a watered-down, weakened belief in God, who He is, and how He expects us to live. There's no teaching that is vital for us today, and this is one that I got years and years ago from my preacher. There may be something good in the garbage can, but you do not really want to sift through it to find it. And that's what's happening right now. A lot of people, a lot of Christians, and a lot of Baptists, a lot of fundamental Baptists. Oh, why are you getting so upset about everything? This is a good Christian film. It has a lot of good stuff. It also has a lot of error. Why do we want to throw the error in our minds? There's no need. Now, I don't do this very often. And good night. We got visitors here tonight, and here I picked tonight to do it. I didn't. God did. So it's your fault. God knew you needed it. And so, no. So, if you, <laughs> if you sift through the garbage cans, you may find something good, but you're going to carry away a stench. And honestly, this new belief that somehow you're going to sit through that and you're going to come away with just the good and the bad is not going to bother you, that is just totally ludicrous because everything that you allow in influences you. Everything that you allow in influences you. 
So I'll be honest with you, I don't want to watch a film where my God is, is depicted as a woman, an emotional woman. You say, oh, are you some kind of male chauvinist pig? No, I'm not, but my God is just not an emotional woman. That's just not who he is. My God is, is, is not the way they depict him. My God is not uh, what they depict in there from everything that I've read. It just doesn't even make sense. It seems that this is the current philosophy, though, which permeates the new, what I call the new fundamentalism. And here's the philosophy. There's good in everything, so we're not going to turn away from anything. Even if it is detrimental, it has some good. They're all about, again, as I said, find the meat and spit out the bones. But I don't think you really want to eat the meat out of a garbage can. Now, this is going to be very delicate, but it used to, I'd run into men, and they would make this statement, and, and when I first came in Christianity, I was a police officer, and I got this statement from some of the fellow guys, uh, fellows that I would try to, you know, get to come to church, and thank God, some of them did, some of them got saved, but, but they'd make statements to me because they would have inappropriate material. I'm not even going to name that material, but inappropriate material, uh, and uh, that and they would make this comment, oh, I don't look at the pictures, I just read the articles. How many of you believe that statement? No, that's not happening. So think of this, go to the world and allow them to plant images and heretical thoughts in your mind while you search for that one good thing so you can justify watching, reading, or listening to it. Because it, effectively, it's the same thing. There's not one Christian preacher, man, I don't care where they are, if I went and I threw one of those magazines down in front of him and said, hey, it's okay, open it up, just read the articles. It's okay. And i tell you what, do, do it in front of your church. And just tell them, hey, it's cool. I'm just reading the articles. They would look at you and say, Pastor, I think you could probably find the articles someplace else. So can I tell you, you could probably find whatever truth they're presenting someplace else. And, and watch this. It don't even have pictures. This is the stranger calling the sheep to follow him. And this is not about a film. It's not about a movie. It really isn't. Uh, I, 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 you can ask me, I, I just don't preach this way. I don't, I don't get on these tangents much. Uh, matter of fact, it was weeks. I saw people on, you know, and I don't even look at Facebook much anymore, but there for a week or so, you know, it just seemed like different guys were saying this word, the shack, the shack, the shack. And I thought, what in the world is that? So finally one day I just decided, okay, I'm going to research and find out what this is all about. And I thought, isn't it a shame that we've got a whole, uh, entire churches are going you know, to see it. Well, God, some of them innocently because it's presented as a Christian film. And so, hey, let's support the Christian film. But do you understand how subtle the devil is? He mixes truth with lies. 
And can I tell you, I believe there's some good Christian films out there. I really do. But I think we ought to have enough sense to research before we watch it. And watch this. We ought to, have enough research. We ought to do a little bit of research before we bring the simple ones in to watch it or bring anybody we influence to watch it. We ought to be very careful about that. We need to at least know what's really going to be presented. I mean, I, I did that with my own children. They're not going to watch something until I viewed it. I'm not going to allow them to do that. So, uh, we should be careful. Now, uh, we've, we've got grandchildren. We've got children in the church. We've got our own children. We, we need to realize that not everything out there is good. And I don't care how much people stand up and say, and even preachers stand up and say, oh, we've been too hard and mean and we're negative. Oh, you fundamentalists are negative about everything. No, we're not. Well, not. I'm positive about Jesus. I'm positive about how stupid they are. I'm, I'm, I'm positive. I'm positive about a lot of things because life is good, and I enjoy life, and I laugh probably a lot more than they do. And I don't get on the 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 the, the internet to to tear everybody down. I don't do all that, but I just feel obligated as a pastor of a church, of. But God says the shepherd over his flock to say, you be careful because they're out there. They're coming to tell you, even though you've already entered the door, you see, you go out to feed. And when you go out to feed in the pasture, they're going to come try to pull you out of that pasture. They're going to come try to pull you away from that shepherd. They're going to come try to trick you away. They're going to tell you that the grass is greener. They're going to tell you that the pasture you feed in, they're just too mean. And they're too restrictive. And they're too harsh. And can I tell you, that is not true. We're, I, I hope that we found out here, uh, Lauren, you've been coming here in the last year. I don't think we've been too harsh on you, beating you over the head. Oh, you, you need it. But to uh, no, I don't think we've done it. And I thank you, Lauren. You know what? I mean, they're going through a lot right now, and she drove a long ways to come here to go to church tonight. Give me five. Okay. I, actually, I paid her to show up tonight. But anyway, no. no. They're trying to get you sidetracked. And here's the problem Good, respectable people and even preachers and leaders are going to look at you and say, oh, man, ease up. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? It's pretty hard to just stay right with God as it is without intentionally going to the garbage can. It's really hard to just keep clean without intentionally going rummaging through the garbage can. Now tell me, I, I hear it every week of my life almost, that somebody's going to make some kind of, oh, you just, you know, fundamentalists, they don't read like they ought to read. And I, I wrote recently to a guy, I said, look, I read a lot. And I'll be honest with you, there are some things as soon as I see, I see some bones in there and I have to, Discard those bones, and a lot of times I discard what I'm reading if there's too many bones in it. But I've been doing this for 35 years. Can I warn you? There's a lot of them out there that are incredibly subtle. And that subtlety today is, hey, 
God loves everybody. And watch. Why did God even have the church? If you come as you are, stay as you are, leave as you are, then what's the purpose of the church? church didn't there wasn't it's not here look if that's it then God should look then then why don't we just get saved go to heaven or why do we even fool around having watch I, I, brother storm we were talking about it you know if it's just about getting everybody saved so we want everybody to come in be totally comfortable all the time feel good about it and then and, 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 I got rhythm don't I? and feel good about it and you just feel Oh, everything's cool, everything's good, everything's wonderful, it's so good. And we just want to, why are you laughing? And we want to do all of this. Watch this now. Why do we have church? Why don't we just go out every Saturday in a park someplace, give out a bunch of prizes, preach the gospel, see a bunch of people saved, and shut all this down? Why? Because the church is the place that you're supposed to be taught the Word of God. And that means growing in grace. Thank you. That means, yes, God will take anybody. Come just as I am without one plea. Come just as I am. But I'm telling you, God gave us this book so we don't stay what we are. We change. Now, none of us are going to be perfect. Truth is, probably not even going to get close to it. But we ought to be striving to be more like Christ. We ought to be striving to live this book more and more. And this, this lifestyle in our churches today, oh, man, I got so much to say. I've already gone too far. But, but they, they, it got me all stirred up. But I, this fellow wrote an article about new fundamentalism. He said, you know, all the wonderful things about the new fundamentalists because the old fundamentalists are just old fogies that were just mean about everything. So we got this new one. And I, I went to his website. They had the children's choir. Children's choir, the music, the drums, the full set of drums, the guys were beating them and the bongos so loud you couldn't hear the kids sing. So it wasn't the children's choir, it was the instruments, just like most of the music that's out there anyway. Every time we record a CD, we, I have to go back to them, Joe Beth knows it, I have to go back to them and say, turn the music down. Because the music is, they want to put the music out there, not the voices. The guy that recorded last time, I said, hey, we're different than, than, than everybody else that recorded. We actually want to hear our girls sing. And I looked at it, and I thought, okay, and now here's the next statement. Oh, yeah, but we're talking about the fundamental doctrines. You, you know something? Forgive me, but other than standards, convictions, we call it, what I call principles of life, and about some of the way we dress, some of the way we things we do, some of the way um, music we listen to, some of those things, other than those things, the, the major doctrines, are really no different, or oh, that in the Bible, uh, are really no different than any other Baptist church in this whole area. 
really no different than a lot of non-denominational churches. They believe in the salvation by grace. They believe in the blood of Christ. They believe in bodily resurrection. They believe, and I could go on and on and on. They believe all those things. The difference is, you know what makes you fundamental? If you don't understand that, it means that you believe that God teaches that we're supposed to be different from the world. That there's a thing called holiness. And it's not an evil, wicked thing. It preserves lives. And that's why I've always taught, try to teach our children, it's not these rules you got to live by. These are principles of life going to give you a good life. And that's why God gave them to us. That's why He gave us the Ten Commandments, not because He hates us, because He loves us. You know, He said, ah, you know, He says, Thou shalt not steal. Can I just tell you something? If you steal and get caught, <laughs> you're unhappy. If you just don't steal, you're happy. So God's so mean? No, he was trying to be good to you. He's saying, look, you can be at peace, you can be at happy, just don't steal. Now you say, well, I'm going to steal and not get caught and everything will be cool. No, if you're saved, you're going to get whooped to death by the Holy Spirit. God said, don't do that if you just don't do it. You don't bear false witness. I'm just, God says, you know what? You're going to be happy if you just don't lie. Because once you lie, you're going to have to tell another lie to cover up that lie and another lie to cover up that lie. And you're going to be miserable, always wondering when somebody's going to figure you out. And so God said, don't do it. Don't do it. But we're in a world that just says, no, no, don't tell anybody no. And some of these boys, I've said, you know what? At some point, you're going to have to draw a line in the sand about something somewhere. And the moment you do, people are still going to bristle. Because people that want to bristle over, over being told no, it don't matter where you tell them no, they're still going to bristle over no. And I've watched it, and they've, they, some of them come back to me and told me, yeah, you're right, man, because, you know, I, you know it, it got going too far we allowed too much, went too far, and we tried to pull back, and man, they got upset. One of them, you know, I talked to, you know, not long ago, they, 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 you know, hey, we're not going to have all these rules, not going to have all that stuff, not going to do all that. Well, man, they, 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 they were coming in half naked. And my wife will tell them, hey, you have rules. You have a standard. You really do. Everybody does. I don't know if it, but everybody in here has got clothes on right now. We have a standard. But if you just say, no, 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 don't tell them no. Everything's wonderful. Everything's wonderful. Don't you enjoy? I love. First of all, I wouldn't want to go that because that's flaky. But the, secondly, at some point, somebody's going to come walking in some way just like it did for this young preacher, and they're going to come walking in some way that you think, oh, time out now. We can't have that, and guess what? When you finally tell them time out like it did for them, we can't have that, guess what? They get mad and leave. Why? Because they've been able to do whatever they want to do the whole time. Now, you're telling them no, and forgive me, millennialist, 
but you haven't been told no much. You haven't been told no much. And I'm just telling you, the next phase for this, this nation that we're in is atheism. Because your God, if that's the kind of God we serve, he's got to be good to you. He's got to approve you. He's got to accept you. He's got to bless you. He's got to do all these things. And watch this now. When you finally, if you're born again, guess what? He, doesn't, he cares more about you than just to let you do whatever you want to do. He cares too much about you, so he's going to tell you. He's not even going to tell you. He, he's going to tell you, and when you reject what he tells you, he's going to whip you. And he may just take his hand of blessing away from you. Read the Bible, please. He may take his hand of blessing. From, he may even bring judgment upon you. And watch, when that happens, I don't even believe there is a God because he's supposed to be good to me. He's supposed to let me do whatever I want to do, and he's supposed to be good to me. I wonder if God looks down and says, oh, my goodness, how did I get down here to spoil brats? He said, Brother Hooker, what's the invitation tonight? I don't have a clue. I'm just trying to tell you, I sometimes say this is a Sunday night message on Sunday morning. Well, this is a Sunday night message on Sunday night. And I just, you know, at some point, I, I tell you what the invitation, it wouldn't hurt us at all, every one of us, if we'd fall on our face and say, dear God, correct me, teach me. That's why I love my daughter's song I gave uh, this new couple, and I'm so good at names. I remember the name. Hold on. I can't find it. Skinner. Like I said, I remember. The Skinners. I gave them one of the CDs. On that CD, there's, it's my daughter sings a song. She says, teach me, I pray. It's an incredible song. Teach me. Wouldn't that be good if we came and prayed? Teach me. And every teacher you've ever had, I doubt anybody in here, all your life through school, your teacher said, oh, that's good, that's perfect, that, I wouldn't change a thing. <laughs> Anybody ever had that? No, I pretty much, I made hundreds on everything, but the, uh, no, no. No, a teacher tells you when you've done wrong, Why? So they can beat you up, so they can show you how much they want to make your life miserable? No, so you can learn to do it right. Smile at me, Brother Carl. I need a smile from you, man. He's my man. He's my bodyguard, so don't mess with me. All right. I went way long. I'm sorry. Father, I pray that you bless, Lord Jesus.